This is 41 Strong with Chuck Tate. A shot of encouragement through scriptures and stories. 41 Strong. to the 41 Strong Podcast. My name is Chuck Tate. 41 Strong is a podcast that shares compelling stories and encouraging scriptures to help people like you hold on and stand strong. We get the number 41 from scripture. Oftentimes the number 40 represents a season of waiting, a season of trial. And on day 41 or year 41, the break a new beginning. A couple examples. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. 41 came and the rain stopped. Goliath challenged Israel for 40 days. And on day 41, David slew Goliath. There are more examples than that, but you can go to 41willcome.com to check that out or my website, chuckytate.com. So today, if you're in a downpour, you're in a storm, perhaps you are staring at a giant that stands between you and your destiny or you and your dream come true, the message of 41 will come and the message of 41 Strong Podcast is don't quit, don't throw in the towel, 41 will come. All right, well, let's get right to it. Today, I have a very special guest in the studio, a good friend of mine. His name is Jason Persinger. He is the pastor of Peoria First. He's also the coach of the regional champion, seventh grade Peoria Christian Chargers, Jason, great to have you on 41 Strong. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Well, today today is special because you have a sectional game tonight, and we're going to probably unpack that a little bit later in the podcast, but uh, how do you feel right now? You know, I'm anxious. The hardest part about waiting for a 6.30 tip is waiting for 6.30 to come. Kind of like 41 will come. We're waiting for 6.30 to come. Yeah. And uh, ready to rock. Oh, good deal, man. Well, I'm excited for you, and not only... um, um, Excited for you, but all those all those kids, man, yeah. they have worked really hard, and you've had them work really hard, and um, it's been, for me, exciting to watch. I've been able to be almost all the games, because my daughter is a cheerleader. Right. Yeah, so I'm going to be there tonight. She's going to be cheering. I'll be in the in the stands cheering, and awesome, man, it's going to be good. Well, we'll tell more about that a little bit later, but let's, um, you know, let's share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. That way, um, those that are watching today get a little taste of of, of who you are. I, I mentioned you're the, um, the lead pastor of Peoria First and uh, obviously the coach, but um, you grew up in Ohio, right? Did, and yes. you have a number of kids as well, right? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, yeah. and share your story a little bit? I have five kids, five blessings, also uh, at times uh, thorns in my flesh that challenge me along the way. Uh, lovely wife, Elizabeth, been married 14 years, and uh, she is just the best. Uh, couldn't have couldn't prayed for a better wife than than mine and uh, I kind of came into ministry to the faith a little bit from the back door or uh, uh, the shortcut there not a shortcut maybe the the Israelites (laughs) took 40 years it almost took me a little bit longer I grew up in a a, a non-saved home my family we didn't attend church my dad was actually married seven times I shared this on Sunday and so my dad was married seven times wow did, did he ever get it right 
He, eventually, yeah, eventually he did. He finally found it. All right, all right. It's, my mother was the, the sixth of his, of his uh, marriages. And okay. so uh, my dad was 20 years older than my mom, and so obviously that marriage uh, didn't work out real well. I grew up, here's how I learned to count, in Ohio. My dad ran a bar there, and he had a little illegal gambling thing that was going on. And I would sit in his office with him on Saturday mornings, and I would count the single-dollar bills and every time I could count 10 correctly, he would give me one of those. And so that's, I remember sitting watching the Cleveland Browns at the bar with uh, all of uh, the guys yelling and screaming and all that. And so that's kind of how I was introduced into life. Wow. Um, because my dad was married. I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. Because my dad was married so many times, I had a lot of, lot of siblings as well. Rounds when I was uh, nine years old, my parents divorced, uh, bitter, bitter divorce. And around that same time, my older brother, Jeffrey, he was 19 at the time. He was stabbed to death in a drug deal that, that went badly in West Virginia. Oh and goodness. a few years after that, um, my sister, she committed suicide. And so grew up in this, this wow. area of dysfunction. Didn't know how dysfunctional maybe it, it was until, you know, getting on the back nine. And Grew up, after my parents divorced, my dad moved us to West Virginia. My mom stayed in Ohio. So I would live the winters in West Virginia uh, and then the uh, summers in Ohio. So a little bit of north-south culture uh, put inside of me. Okay, yeah. And um, grew up as an average adolescent, wrestled with a lot of suicidal thoughts uh, because just a lot of pain, a lot of issues. And every time I would get to the point where I think, you know, I was going to, I was going to do it. I was going to end it. I would hear a voice, and the voice would say, don't let them win. And I thought, uh, to be honest with you, Chuck, I was just getting more crazy, yeah. if that makes now, sense. Is that the message for tonight's game? Don't let them win. <laughs> yeah, it'll be <laughs> part of it, yeah. It'll be part of it. And uh, when I was 17 years old, I had completely negative in- intentions, my friend Billy and I, and uh, started dating church girls. To long story short, and there was. Uh, yeah, were you dating church girls before you were a believer? Yeah, I was trying to at least. Trying to, okay. All and right. this was the catalyst standing on God's word for this young lady's dad said, "Hey, you cannot be unequally yoked. You cannot date my daughter." And so what I did, Chuck, is I was so mad that fighter inside of me. I got a Bible, and I wanted to find something in that Bible that would prove mm. him wrong. And uh, read in wow. Genesis, and I couldn't find anything. And then I had flashbacks. My grandmother was a godly woman who always prayed over me. And so I turned to the New Testament. And as I read through the New Testament and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I began to see that everything I was searching for was in Jesus. And I didn't know that it initially. I've heard somebody else say this before, but I really didn't know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John were telling the same story. I thought, man, it just kept happening over and over again. <laughs> yeah. and, and so there in, in my bedroom in West Virginia, uh, God, if you're real, will you come into my heart? I, I need this love. And that's, that's how I got saved because a man stood on God's word. Wow. And uh, I got mad. The Lord used that to bring me through the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, to a saving knowledge of him. Went and told that young lady's dad, hey, I'm saved. He was still smart enough. <laughs> he still wouldn't let me date her. <laughs> What a great story. Yeah. Wow. You literally read the word and came to Jesus, who is the living word. Yeah. But when you got into the word, it wasn't to find Jesus. It was to be able to date somebody um, because her father said, you're not 
dating her because you're not a believer, unequally yoked. So you went out to prove him wrong. But by the time you were done reading the Gospels, you had given your life to Christ? Yeah. And wow. uh, that, that was the summer before my senior year of high school. Went to a Christian school. I transferred to go to a Christian school because I wanted to hear more of God's word and had an incredible hunger. Her father, um, a young lady's father, uh, bought me a Bible and mentored me along. Crazy, only this, this, only this works out in the Lord's kingdom. Her brother then would later become one of my best friends and was the best man at my wedding when I got wow. married to my wife. Wow. And so Mike ended up being my, my best man and, wow. and um, went to, to Lee University and uh, went as a political science major and uh, on a convocation in February uh, that year, Loran Livingston, a great Church of God uh, preacher, was preaching and uh, felt the call to ministry. I thought God could never use me and... and uh, I've been backing into it every ever since then. Yeah, yeah. man, that did you did you meet your wife then in, in Bible college? Or I did college? my second year at Lee University. Okay. Yep, uh, I dr- dropped a great line on her. Uh, anybody <laughs> out there who needs some dating advice, jot this down. We were in the gym playing hoops and uh, just got. I just lost. Happened to sit down beside her. And I looked at her and I said, when are me and you going to kick it like soccer? <laughs> when are me and you going to what? Kick it like soccer. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And she laughed and said, well, maybe if you got serious and called me. And Whoa. went on a date the next night. The next day? Yeah. And my dad always told me growing up, if you ever meet a woman who's good looking and likes you, you should marry her because not many are coming your way, son. <laughs> Yeah, he knew all about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and to bring it full story, yeah, circle, you know, my dad has since passed eight years ago, literally two weeks before he, he passed away, accepted Jesus yeah, as right. his Praise Savior. And, um, and my mother then, uh, uh, who just passed away this past December, um, you know, over the last six, six months or so, had really uh, accepted Jesus as her Savior, would watch my sermons and... And uh, so it was really incredible how God used um, a defiant, ignorant adolescent like myself to get into his word. And I I think back to those days when I heard that voice, don't let them win. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Amen. And still when I go through trials now, whether it be at the church or coaching or in life, I still hear that still small voice that says, don't let them win. It's kind of been my, my anthem. Yeah. Man, that is good stuff. Thanks. Wow. Well, he's Jehovah Nisi, Lord, our banner of victory, right? So, Amen. Man, already raised that flag of victory to the top of your flagpole. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, that is that um, is a fascinating story, especially I've never met anyone that came to Christ as a result of a Christian dad telling somebody else, you're not dating my daughter because you're unequally yoked. And, yeah. You know? And as a youth pastor, I would tell fathers that, listen, I feel so strongly about this. Don't missionary date because had he allowed that, I fully believe in my heart, uh, I would not be where where I'm at because a man chose to stand on God's word, even when it hurt, even when it hurt. It, it, it has been a catalyst to where I am. And now the chain of dysfunction that was in my family has stopped because of the blood of Jesus. And my kids are still going to reap those benefits because a man who my kids will never meet stood on God's word. That'll preach right there. Yeah. Man, well, I know um, 
it wasn't our plan to to camp out here, but let's sure. camp out here just for okay. a second because there's, you know, there could be someone watching who they've, uh, man, they have been lonely and they right now have somebody in their life that they could date or they are dating who's not a believer. And the temptation is to go ahead and keep dating in hopes that that person, like you called it, missionary dating, will get yeah. saved. But is is compromise, and the scripture is very clear about not being unequally yoked, being partner, being joined together. So, what would you say to somebody today that that's watching, that that's struggling with this? That they they just they're saying, you know, Pastor Jason, you know, I get it, I get that God used that for you, but um, I've been lonely a long time, and I don't want to be lonely more. And I have this plan. I'm gonna, you know, hey, he's, you know. This person so is agreed to come to church with me. What, what would you say to that? Sure. I heard a sermon. I don't remember who the sermon was from, but I would use this line quite a bit and come back to it, especially as it pertains to dating. Because one, one of the greatest aspects of maturity in our Christian walk is getting to the point where we don't understand, because we won't always understand. I mean, still as a pastor, uh, 14 years in ministry, I, I don't understand certain aspects or why things happen. Uh, but when we say, I can trust, I trust you, God, I trust you no matter what. And understand that um, if you're out there and you're lonely and you're, you're wanting to date and, you, hey, it's been a long time, you got to take this time to develop you. Become the type of person the person you're looking for is looking for. You can't think that a man or a woman is going to change once marriage happens or you get married. That doesn't happen. Actually, all the issues just get, get multiplied. And so you got to decide, hey, and, and the Israelites made a mistake when they made a pact with the Gibeonites. And what they had to do, they had to Uh-oh. carry their stuff around for generations. Don't make a pact with the Gibeonites. Mm. Uh, you want to, to be with someone who has the same passion for Jesus that you have. Amen, man. That's good. That'll preach. You know, I had, I had somebody, I mean, um, tell me one time, hey, um, I think I finally found a guy that he's going to be the, the right guy because he agreed to come to church with me. <laughs> sure. And I said, you want to find somebody that's already going to church. You want right. to find someone that already loves Jesus, not somebody who is going to put on a smile and, and tolerate church just so he can date you. Right. You know? so, and I, I really believe that if, uh, for those of you that are watching today, if you will put God first and you will seek God and you will commit your desires to him, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I know some of you watching today, your desire is to be with somebody, to be with the, the right person. If you do it God's way, you can't go wrong. Right. Amen. Right? He will bless you. Look what he's done for you. Yeah. So Amen. good stuff, man. Well, how'd you end up in Peoria? Well, uh, the Lord, uh, I was a youth pastor at Peoria first, um, 12 years ago, and so left, went back to Tennessee to finish uh, some education up, and from there finished my undergrad and, and graduate degree. The Lord then called us to Brighton, Michigan, right outside of Ann Arbor. Growing up as an Ohio guy, that uh, was a little, little rough there, and to, <laughs> served under a great pastor there, Bradley Trask, Dr. Bradley Trask, and uh, he really developed me, fed into me as, hey, one day you're going to be a senior pastor, here's the things you need to develop. And uh, the former pastor of Peoria First retired. They were looking for a, uh, a pastor, um, and the Lord called me, called me back here and uh, worked it all out. And so I've been back almost two years here in Peoria. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think I met you 
shortly after you got to Peoria. We got yeah. together and had lunch, and you know, and I've got together a few times since then. I've enjoyed it, and um, so I'm Peoria's glad to have you, man. Thanks. Yeah, I love yeah, I love the city. It's an eclectic group of people. It is cool, uh, man. I love it. So um, to it's got also got to be pretty special to be a youth pastor and then to come back and be the lead guy and take it over, have a vision, already have a little bit of a heart probably for the city, for the area. Yeah, I knew what uh, we were getting into. I was familiar with the city, familiar with the church a little bit. And, um, you know, I felt I had opportunities before Peoria where churches would call. I flew down to Tennessee at one point and uh, was, was offered a, a senior pastor there. I turned it down and uh, really felt that, didn't know it was going to be Peoria. I never would have guessed the Lord would bring me back here. Man. But he did. And one of the vices my mentor, senior pastor, Trask, would always give me is, hey, when you get in a position, you want to know that you didn't put yourself there, that God put you there. Because wow. when the times get tough, and they will get tough, you want to know, Lord, you're the one who put me here. Yeah. You're the one that's going to carry me through this. Come on. And so that's, that's been our... So when you're standing looking at the Red Sea and you got the army coming behind you, you know, okay, God, you put me here. Right. So it's up to you now to move. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> looking at the budget in the red, Lord, you get you the one that's got to get this. If you part of the Red Sea, you can part the Illinois River. Let's go. Right. Amen. Yeah. So um, you're an Ohio sports guy then? Through and through. Uh, dog love. pound? Dog pound. Yeah. <laughs> Just finished reading Bernie Kosar's autobiography. And, uh <laughs> Uh, love the Browns, love uh, the Cavs, the Indians, and Ohio State. All right, all, all, all the above, all the above. So we we won't talk about Chief Wahoo today, though. Okay, all right. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about. I don't know how I'm allowed to feel about that yet. Yeah, too, so. yeah. Oh, man. Well, um, I actually was a youth pastor in Ohio. I think I yeah. probably told you that before, but um, I was there about a year and a half, living in Sandusky. Was at a church in Bellevue, okay. uh, little AG church in, in Bellevue, Ohio. And uh, when I was there, we actually took. Um, I, I went to Indians games, but I had a pass to Cedar Point. Right. But then I took our youth to a Cleveland Browns game, and this was back when the Browns were bad. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't know when that <laughs> was. Have they ever been good? No, okay. So, so anyway, we went to the Browns, and I, I rooted for the Browns. I'm a Cowboys fan, and, um, you know, we haven't won in so long. I don't even remember what that's like anymore. Right. But anyway, we, we were um, – so I was rooting for the Browns. We t took a, a couple van loads to the game, and it was a Monday night game against the 49ers. Wow. And that was when the 49ers had Steve Young, and Cleveland won. Yeah, it was, it was a great game. It was one of, uh, man, a great memory that I have. So, yeah, awesome. so I have a little bit of history um, in, in Ohio and Ohio sports, and everybody yeah. was an Ohio State fan. And, and um, I'm originally from Arizona, so when okay. it came to college football, I'm an Arizona State Sun Devil fan. But, but, um, right. but anyway, you know, we could probably talk sports the rest of the time. <laughs> And uh, so instead of professional sports, let's shift the focus to coaching. Okay. You know, you're a coach, and you have coached in a couple other states on a high school level. But here in Peoria, for Peoria Christian, you're coaching a seventh grade team. So how has it been um, – how have you adapted from – I mean, obviously uh, a big difference between coaching high school kids and seventh grade boys? Yeah, there's a huge difference there. One of the benefits is – uh, at the high school level, sometimes a lot of players, they're, they're already set in their good habits, their bad habits, their mannerisms. The game is no longer fun to them at some points. And so it's been a breath of fresh air to come to the seventh grade level, and the kids are so eager to learn. They're, they're so coachable, the seventh grade squad. They love to work hard, and uh, we have a lot of fun. You know, um, I won't tell you who the guy was, but it's probably our second practice. We're huddling up, and all of a sudden one of the guys rips one. You know, and then, 
and it just hit me. This is middle school. This is this, this is middle school. High. And uh, <laughs> so we laugh a lot. We work a lot. These guys are are good enough that I run the same offenses and defenses that I ran at the high school level. Wow. And so it's 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 been good. Well, I can tell, man, because um, you know I've had an opportunity to to go to a lot of the games. And if you're just joining us, my daughter is a cheerleader. Um, she's in seventh grade, so she's a cheerleader for the seventh grade team. And um, so we've been to most of the games this season. And you guys have had a great team. Only lost, oh, what, 18-4? 18-4. 18-4. Yeah. And, um, and two of the games that you lost that I was at, you lost by, like, a point. At the, at the final horn. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I don't know if I should say this on a podcast or not, but there was one game where <laughs> the referee really did determine the outcome of the game. But we won't talk about that. Sure, right. We won't talk about that. Um, but um, let me, you know, back to – you know, having coachable kids, and the one thing I noticed was how prepared you had them at the first regional game. You were playing a team that had beat you by yes. 11, right? and I was at that game when we lost by 11. And um, so, you know, I was a little bit anxious coming in, like, man, we got to win. This is a regional game. we got to win. They, these guys beat us. And then you guys came out, and, I mean, I don't think anyone could have had them as prepared as you had them. <laughs> and, and here's why. At the end of the first quarter, it was 20 to one, right. <laughs> twenty to one. I was texting my dad and giving the play by play. Like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> Holy moly! Wow. So, uh, talk about having a plan and having seventh graders execute that plan was fun to watch. Yeah, it's in coaching. You learn this at the high school level. You see it at the pro level, even at the seventh grade level. Coaches get more credit than they deserve, and they take more blame than they deserve sometimes. Our kids were highly coachable. They motivated themselves. We we have a core four that we talk about the core four principles of our program. We want kids to give maximum effort, have the right attitude, have the aptitude of what we want to do, and trust each other, trust the bas- right basketball play. And so coming in, these guys... Uh, it be a book, you know. Yeah, it could. Yeah. But uh, we, um, we executed, we had a, a game plan to shut down their leading scores, and it did help that we had lost to this team. It provided motivation. They knew this wasn't time to to play around, and we did not have a good week of practice leading up to, to it. There's a, a time where I said, hey, guys, do you even want to do this? And sometimes as a coach, you've got to hand it over to them, and I sent them all out of the gym, and I said, you guys got to go figure this out. Wow. And, and they came back in. Coach, we're ready to go, and, and since then we've we've been playing really good ball. Yeah, sometimes my wife does that. We get the kids together. She's like, hey, you know what, Chuck, you need to leave. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, man, that's good stuff. Well, what I'm sure that, uh, man, you've, you've taught them so much and poured into them so much. It's evident by how they play and how they carry themselves. But what have they taught you? It's really, really been such a blessing in this season of my life. In October, we started the season. Basketball goes – October all the way till February. In November, my mom fell very ill and uh, was in ICU in Ohio. And ultimately, she passed December 13th. And during that time, early in the season, I'm driving back and forth from Ohio. I'm at some games, some practices. And these guys and these groups of, group of parents, these seventh graders, they were... Um, they buoyed my spirit, not being able to just come around them and forget and go basketball, but they prayed for me uh, in the locker room. They, they encouraged me. They would send me, they, at, at Christmas, they all gave me a, an incredibly generous card and, and the incredible things they wrote in that. And so they've been more of a blessing to me than, than, than I've been to them. So coaching, leading, stewardship, it's, it's always a two-way street where I need 
what they give me just as much as the basketball knowledge I give them. Wow. And so it's been it's been a blessing from the Lord. It's been special. Yeah. So tonight's a special game playing in Pontiac. Yeah. And um, if we win tonight, going to state. Going to state. Right? Yeah. So, man, we might have to have another podcast. I hope so. And I tell <laughs> the guys, pressure is a privilege. We, we say this all the time at practice. We said it just a little while ago over at chapel in front of the school. Anytime that you find yourself in a pressure situation. We try to take the game of basketball and teach life and teach the scriptures. I even did that when I was coaching at secular schools. Just left the, the verse reference off there. Yeah. That uh, anytime you find yourself in a position where there's pressure, it's because God has entrusted you enough mm. to be there. David, God entrusted him for that. That was pressure. Everybody watching yeah. Goliath, he wrote a check that nobody thought he could cash. It, all through yeah. the scripture, pressure is a privilege, and, and the guys have owned that. Yeah, he wrote a check that no one thought he could cash. I needed that in my book. Where were you? <laughs> I needed that. It's good stuff, In the sequel. So how have you applied, or do you apply coaching to leading the church, or do you apply leading the church to coaching, or is it a little bit of both? Yeah, I think it's a good mix. Pastoring and leading is a lot like coaching and vice versa. I heard it said early in my coaching career, if you listen to the fans, pretty soon you'll be sitting up there with them. You won't be coaching very long. Wow, that'll preach. And the right same there. thing is true in ministry. You, you take the thoughts of your leaders and you trust those that the Lord has put around you and you listen to criticism. But there comes a point where if the Lord's told you something, you, you can't listen to the outside voices. You, you maybe hear them out, but you just you, you trust what the, you feel the Lord's given you. Not that there's anything special that I get. I don't have a direct line to the Lord or anything like that. But in the direction that we want to go. I told the kids this, um, when we get on the court, I don't, mom and dad, you got to not listen to them for a little while. It's, it's just what we're doing. Yeah. And sometimes in leadership, um, when the waves of life come, you want to know that the foundation, the direction you're going, that God's want to put you there, and uh, he's going to give you the principles to move forward. Man, yeah. that's good. Well, David had every opportunity to listen to outside voices, and had he done that, he wouldn't, have defeated Goliath. Right? Yeah. His own brothers told him to go home. Like, what are you doing? Trying to be the superhero or whatever. Just go back to the sheep, right? Yeah. And even Saul wanted him to do it his way. Yes. Take my armor. Yeah. David said, I got to be me. I got to do it the way the Lord's Amen. got me to do it. That, that'll preach. And then King Saul also said to him, there's no way that you can beat this giant. Right. But then ultimately he said, okay, well, David wasn't, wasn't budging. Right. So he said, well, God be with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Nobody expected him to win. Right. But he did because he listened to the call of God on his life. So I think for those of you who are watching today as we wrap up, what does God want you to do? What's he asking you to do? What direction is he leading you and guiding you? And if you don't know, if you, if you get close to him and seek him and trust him, He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So I want to encourage you to, to, to trust him. And once he puts something in your heart, once he deposits something within you, don't listen to anyone else but him. Now, there is safety in a multitude of counselors, and there's wisdom in that. And obviously, we want to be willing to receive instruction and input from other godly people. But ultimately, when God tells you to do something, you have to be obedient. You have to do it. And that means you, there's times, like you've told your kids, you've got to shut out the other voices. And as a coach, you can't listen to the crowd. Right. You know, you've got to stick to your plan, stick to the process, stick to, I mean, everything you've rehearsed and you've practiced and you've gone over. If, you're, if you don't stick to it, then you won't be able to execute. And because you execute, you win. Right. 
Absolutely. And I think that's an incredibly great, beautiful place to be where you get to the point in your faith and your walk with God where even the people closest to you, they pull back and they say, man, I think this, you're going a little too deep with the Lord. I love what Mark Batterson says. If, if your dream is attainable and you can, you can write it all out, then, then it's not a God-sized vision. You've got to have a God-sized vision Amen. for your life and for your ministry. And um, I just long for the days where we really just trust the Scriptures. All things are possible for our God. And Amen. no weapon formed against us will prosper. We are more than conquerors. Come on now. And yeah. uh, the road to greatness, it's always going to travel, as it said, through the valley of adversity. But the Lord walks with us. And the good news of the gospel, no matter what we do, Jesus says this, is how Matthew is closed out. I'll never leave you nor forsake you till the end of the earth. Amen. That's incredible. So check that out. Greater seeds in you than he's in the world. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us, Amen. right? So, so don't let him win. Right. Don't, don't let him win. That's a great message. Win. I love it. Thank well, you. can you close us out by praying? I'm sure there's people watching and listening that are struggling and, and um, they've heard your story and are encouraged. I mean, God obviously had his hand on you um, and helped you navigate through life, got you into the word, which ultimately led you to Christ. So... Can you close us out by just praying for those watching, those that need a shot in the arm, those that need to be encouraged, those that are maybe, you know, on the, fan, on the fence or struggling? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, thanks for the privilege of knowing you. Lord, today I'm asking you, uh, for those that are struggling, those who are, who are in a situation where the waves of life are crashing against them, Lord, would you be their foundation? Would you buoy their spirit in this time of need? Lord, would you allow your scriptures to come alive inside of them? Lord, for those who may be watching, Lord, that uh, know that there's, uh, there's nothing uh, that uh, is impossible for you, Lord, let them just live in that and trust your word and to not lean on their own understanding. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dude, thanks so much. I appreciate you. you taking time to, to come on in. Thank well, you. Um, how can people find you on social media? Um, social media underscore Jason Persinger. Right. And then I, I have a blog, jasonpersinger.com. Jasonpersinger.com. Yep. Okay. Or uh, the church website, PeoriaFirst.org. PeoriaFirst.org. There you have it. Go, so go, ch- go, ch- go, go check him out. We've got to have you back on, man. I loved it. Love the Thank story. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank it's a privilege. You. All right, guys. Well, listen, for our producer, Mike Sable, my guest has been Jason Persinger. We look forward to seeing you next week on 41 Strong, where I will sit down with a friend in Texas who is a tattoo artist who has a... Um, a pretty awesome story to share about what he does. So don't miss next week. Until then, go Chargers! Go Chargers, amen.